Welcome to Dig Deep. We are in week two of our series, Shine. And if you haven't listened to last week's episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to that one first before listening to this one. I'll be referring to that episode several times in this episode, so I know that you will benefit from taking a listen to that one first. But if you did already listen to that episode, then for today, I want to start by asking the question, how does your body handle anxiety? If you had to give a presentation or walk into a critical meeting or you're about to play the championship game, how does your body deal with the nerves? Do you sweat? Do you get the jitters? Do you get a pit in your stomach? Do you get dizzy? I love asking people this question because the answers are often hilarious. And for me personally, I have kind of a weird answer to this question. I don't know why, but when I get anxious or nervous about something, my armpits itch like crazy. It is the way that my body handles the anxiety. And you might think that it has something to do with sweat, but that's what's so weird about it is that they don't actually get sweaty. (laughs) They just itch like crazy. I, I know it's weird. I don't know why, but it's my nervous thing before I have to do something that is causing me anxiety. I know people who have nervous diarrhea. I've met people who feel incredibly queasy or even have to run to the bathroom to vomit before they have to do something that's very anxiety producing. A good friend of mine has probably my favorite answer to this question because she has the unfortunate experience of when she's about to give any sort of presentation in front of a group, any sort of public speaking, she experiences very localized butt sweat before she gets up to speak. Not anywhere else on her entire body, just her butt. And she said it's a real problem. She can only wear black pants if she knows she has to give a presentation at work. Today, we're talking about sharing what we believe with others. And for many of us, just the thought of sharing your faith, sharing what you believe about God with someone else might be triggering a surge of anxiety so strong that you've already started sweating, or maybe your armpits have started itching, or you're running for the nearest bathroom. If you are a Christian, you are a disciple of Christ. And some of Jesus's last words to his disciples are very famous. They're known as the Great Commission, and they're found in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. Jesus says to his disciples, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And if you're like me, your eyes immediately jump to phrases like making disciples, baptizing, and teaching. And I instantly feel intimidated by this passage. Maybe when you heard me read these verses, you automatically thought of missionaries or pastors, and you think they're the ones who should really be doing all of this. They should be doing the teaching and the baptizing and the disciple making. But this is a command to all disciples. And even though we are all so different and we've all been given very different gifts by God, this is a universal calling that Jesus left for all of us. And so while it's easy for us to jump to those daunting words of teaching and baptizing, I think it's important for us to step back and look at this passage as a whole 
and see that the beginning and the end of this great commission are to go, just start by going, and then remembering that Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's called us all to go. In our own lives, in our own way, he wants us to go and share his good news. And he's with us even to the end of the age. And he will help us with all of that stuff that's in between. But for many of us, the thought of living out the Great Commission raises a lot of practical questions. How do I do that? How do I share my faith? And may even cause debilitating anxiety. So today, I want us to get super practical and absorb three principles that we see in Scripture that I believe will help us take practical steps and hopefully will also relieve any unnecessary anxiety that we're feeling about the process. So the first principle I want us to consider today is to choose speaking over silence. Choose speaking over silence. There's a popular Christian catchphrase that has emerged sometime in the last 20 years that's been attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, and it goes something like this. There's lots of different manifestations of it, but it's basically something like, go into the world and preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. And I have to tell you, I was super disappointed to learn recently that there is simply no real evidence to suggest that St. Francis ever said this. There's no published source that has been located prior to the early 1990s for this quote. But I like this quote. The sentiment is a nice one because we are no doubt commanded in scripture to share God's love and his gospel, not just with our words, but with our actions, with our lives. We're called to live it out and love people. But what I'm realizing is that the scary truth is that this quote could lead us to believe that words should only be used as a last resort, as a final effort to share the good news with others. And that is simply not scriptural. Yes, we are called to live out the gospel with our lives, but we are also called to speak up and share it with our words boldly, to choose speaking over remaining silent. And even though I sometimes wish it did, the Bible never says that we are supposed to simply love people and be polite and then let our pastor be the one to speak the message of the gospel in actual words. Look at Romans 10, verses 13 through 15. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. And I'm going to be really honest. I lean toward the alleged St. Francis quote. I would prefer to live that way. These verses make me nervous. Speaking up makes me nervous. But Romans 10 so blatantly puts it, how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And as we just saw in the Great Commission, if we are followers of Jesus, if we are Christians, then we've been sent. We have to choose speaking 
over silence. And this will probably involve some level of anxiety for almost all of us. And as I mentioned last week, I certainly felt anxious striking up that conversation with Annie. We were just two strangers who happened to be walking along the same path to and from class. And I do wonder how Philip felt when the Holy Spirit prompted him to go up to the Ethiopian official and start up a conversation. But we read in Acts chapter 8, verse 35, that after they're involved in the conversation, Philip steps out boldly and speaks up and beginning with this same scripture, the one that the man was reading, verse 35 says, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Philip spoke the message of the good news. So our first principle today that we all need to absorb is that God wants us to speak up. He wants us to choose to speak over remaining silent. So how Do we do that? What does that look like? Well, our second principle for today is to choose to build bridges instead of billboards. Choose to build bridges instead of billboards. I don't know if you've ever had this experience. This has happened to me a few times in my life where a total stranger will come up to you and ask you a seemingly really random question about God. One day I was at a local coffee shop and I was loading my kids into the van and I got into the front seat. And as I closed the door, this young man came up to the window and scared the poop out of me and asked me to roll down my window. And so hesitantly making sure that my doors were locked, I did roll down my window and he said, ma'am, can I ask you a question? And I loved that he called me ma'am. That always makes me feel really good. And I said, uh, sure. Yeah. What's up? And he said, do you know where you'd go if you were to die today? And we had a great conversation about it. And he really was a really sweet kid, but he really did scare me to death walking up to me so randomly like that. And I really don't believe there's anything wrong with having your church have a billboard on the side of the road or putting a bumper sticker that tells the world what you believe on your car. But I do believe that those things pale in comparison to the masterful engineering of bridges that God wants to do in your life. I don't think there's anything wrong with going door to door to tell people the good news about Jesus. But what I see in scripture is God building bridges between people, building bridges between himself and us to share the story of the good news of the gospel. As I've been reflecting on the story of Philip and the Ethiopian official that we looked at last week, he walks over to the Ethiopian man and the man just happens to be reading from the book of Isaiah, a prophecy that's about Jesus. And if I'm Philip, I'm thinking, nice, this is the perfect opportunity for Philip. And he basically just says, Hey, what you reading? And they started a conversation God prompted him to go up and introduce himself, but he provided the bridge, the common ground that started the conversation. God loves building bridges, and he's really, really good at it. And we see Jesus doing this all the time in his life and ministry on earth. He spoke in a way that built bridges between himself and others as he communicated the truth. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus had just finished sharing a parable with the people. And starting in verse 34, we read, Jesus always 
used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. Jesus was a masterful bridge builder, and he used stories and illustrations and imagery to build bridges with those that he was talking to. Jesus used imagery from their culture often to relate to them. He used their most common vocations of fishing and farming again and again in his stories. He used common imagery that we all can understand on a gut level, regardless of culture, things like the difference between darkness and light and how they relate to one another, the relationship between loving parents and their children. And he appeals to our emotions, our feelings, things that are common to our experience of this human life, the panic that we would all feel if we lost something precious, the sense of justice that we have deep within us, or even our shameful tendency to consider ourselves better than other people. Jesus spoke in stories and illustrations and related to us on those basic levels, finding common ground with us and then building a bridge to share his story with us. And he's prodding us to do the same thing. And so a great question for us to ask is what common ground do I have with this person? In all of our interactions to just have our eyes open and looking for that, what common ground do I have? Because there's a very good chance that that's where God will start to build a bridge between you for communication. And this can be something big or small. I mean, maybe you both just read the same book or you're fans of the same team or you both love camping or you both hate camping or you're both moms of young kids or you're both empty nesters or you're both engineers. Maybe you've both been to counseling or you've both had struggles in your marriage recently or you've both had experiences in church growing up that were negative. Watch for common ground in your communication with others and then build, be intentional about building a bridge. Can you imagine if Philip had gone over to the Ethiopian man and seen that he was reading from Isaiah and said, oh, you're reading the Bible, huh? Very cool, very cool. And then nodded and awkwardly either walked next to him for the few miles or worse, just completely walked away. He didn't just find the common ground He took the next step. Do you understand what you are reading? Watch for common ground and then build bridges. And one of the best ways that we do that is our third principle that I hope we can all absorb today. And that is that we should prepare and share our stories. Prepare and share our stories. God wants us to speak up and share his good news. And his good news, the gospel is a story. It's not a series of statements. It's not a series of facts. It's a story, a love story. And in the same way that Jesus shared that story of the gospel through parables and stories and through the life that he lived, he wants to use your story, the beautiful story of his good work in your life as a part of his larger story of redemption that's at work all around us, redeeming the world. If you've ever had an experience like the one I shared last week about Annie or an experience like 
Philip and the Ethiopian official, you have to step back and praise God and acknowledge that he is a God who mysteriously weaves our stories together and weaves all of them together with his great story, his ultimate story of love and redemption for all people. But he wants us to be prepared to share our stories well. 1 Peter 3, verses 15 through 16. Peter is encouraging disciples and saying that, you know, there are going to be people that don't want to hear the good news. There are going to be people that are not a fan of you sharing it. And Peter tells them, don't worry or be afraid of their threats. And in verse 15, he says, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Always be ready to explain it. And so I want to give you a really practical tool, an outline that you can use. If you've never done this before, or maybe you have done it before, but it's been a long time since you've really thought about this, I want to give you this outline to consider. And if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write these things down or remember them for later so that you can jot them down and work through this outline. And it's this simple. Before, how, and after. Before, how, and after. A great example of someone sharing their story, sharing what they believe with someone in scripture, is in Acts chapter 26, where Paul is brought before King Agrippa and he's asked to give an explanation for what on earth he's doing. What is this ministry that he's doing? What is it that he believes? And as you look at Paul's story, he follows this model. He speaks very simply, very logically, and very clearly about his life before salvation, how he met Christ, and what his life was like after his conversion. And so I would encourage you to take a look at that story in Acts chapter 26 at some point and just mark in your Bible those sections. You'll see in verses 4 through 11 that he shares about his life before Jesus. He shares about how he came to know him in verses 12 through 20. And he shares about his life after meeting Jesus in verses 21 to 23. And so our try it today is to write this out, jot down those three words in outline format, and then start to fill them in for your own story. And here are some questions for each that might get the juices flowing as you prepare to share your story with those around you. Before, you can ask yourself, what words best describe my life before Jesus? Where did I look to try to find joy or fulfillment before Jesus? Are there any passages of scripture that describe that time in my life? And then move on to the how, how you met Jesus. Ask yourself the simple question, how did it happen? How did I decide to follow Jesus? Who were the key people that God placed in my life whose stories wove together with mine? And what scriptures helped me understand what Jesus did for me? And write those down. And then after, ask yourself, how has my life changed since choosing to follow Jesus? What is he teaching me now, today? What's an area of my life that he is continuing to heal now, today? 
and what scripture has been challenging me or encouraging me or shaping my life recently. And if you were to read Paul's testimony from Acts 26 out loud in a conversational tone, it would take you just about three to four minutes to read through it. And I think that's a great guideline for us. Read through what you write. Try to spend about 60 to 90 seconds on each one of those sections and prepare your story. Always be ready to explain it, but do this in a way that is gentle and respectful. Remember, in all of these things, as we speak up, as we seek to build bridges, and as we share our story with others, we are not trying to win a debate. We're sharing the greatest news the world has ever heard. My kids school me in this all the time, because if you have kids, or you know kids, or you're around kids, you know that kids are often unhindered truth-tellers. And this can be really embarrassing for parents um, sometimes. My kids have said things to strangers like, are you a grandma? You look like a grandma. Or my son has told multiple women, complete strangers, that they look very beautiful today, which is both sweet and often kind of surprising to the women that he's (laughs) saying this to. And my daughter once asked me very loudly if the man smoking nearby knew that smoking was really bad for him. They are unhindered truth tellers. But as we grow, we develop these strange cultural facades where we talk with others about which gym we go to or which grocery store we favor, but telling someone where we go to church would give us butterflies in our stomach. And it's totally normal for us to share our happiest news or our saddest news with others. But when it comes to sharing how God is walking with us through both of those, it somehow feels out of bounds to us. But my kids aren't hindered by that yet. My oldest daughter got baptized this past May and When we were figuring out who to invite to be there, she mentioned one particular friend from school. And so I asked her why she wanted to invite that friend specifically. And she said, well, I've told everyone at my lunch table that I've decided to get baptized and follow Jesus. And she's really interested and she's asking me a lot of questions about it. And so I think she'd really like to be there and and see it. And her friend was there that day, which was awesome. And when some sweet family members gave my daughter a few cards with some money in it to celebrate her baptism, her first financial decision was to buy a Bible for that friend. Seemingly without any anxiety or fear, I watched her, my seven-year-old, choose to speak up instead of remain silent. I watched her choose to build a bridge, and I've watched her boldly share her story with those around her with both gentleness and respect. And it's true that beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. And that good news is that the God who created the universe created us to live in perfect relationship with him, that he's deeply grieved by the decisions we've all made that separate us from him and lead us down paths of heartbreak and pain that he never intended for us. And he loves us so much 
that we read in John 3.16, that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That is the good news. And God is calling us to share it. If you go to jessalston.com and take a look at the show notes there for this episode, you'll see a list of scriptures that I've used in the past when sharing my story with others. Um, And I hope that they can serve as a springboard for you as you prepare your own story to share with those around you. But ultimately, remember that when God gave us the Great Commission to go and share his good news with the world, he left us with the promise that he'll be with us. He said, I will be with you as you do this, as you go and as you share. And he is the one who will give you the guts to choose speaking over silence. He is the one who will give you the wisdom to build bridges. And he has plans for how he wants to use your story. And he will be right next to you as you both prepare it and share it with others. So thanks so much for being here today. We look forward to you joining us next week as we continue this series, Shine. Have a great week.